Well, good morning, Sunrise. Welcome to church on this beautiful Sunday. It's going to be a warm one, I hear, this week. Um, yeah, it's so good to be here worshiping with you this Sunday as we enter to God's presence. Um, we're going to start off worship today with a song called You Came. I know we've sung this. We've been singing this for a while, but for those of you who are maybe new-ish um, to Sunrise, may not have sung this song before, but it's called, a song called You Came. And uh, it's a beautiful song, a, a retelling of the story of Lazarus in the Bible where Jesus comes to Lazarus's tomb and calls him out and raises him up from the grave. What's beautiful about this song is it kind of inserts us into the story of, of Lazarus and Jesus coming in and calling us um, out of the grave, out of sin, a story of resurrection, a story of, of salvation in our lives. And I think it's just beautiful um, that we can think of that story in the Bible that's so memorable, and, but also kind of put ourselves in his place. And um, Jesus comes to perform a miracle, and he does a miracle in our lives. Miracles are still happening today. So why don't you guys stand with us as we sing and as we worship him today. Thank you. 
my arms stretch wide Oh, I will worship you So I throw up my hands And praise you again and again So that I have is a
on the God of Jacob, whose love endures through generations. I know that you will keep your covenant. I'm calling on the God of Moses, the one who opened up the ocean. I need you now to do the same thing for me. Oh God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh rock, oh rock of ages. I'm standing on your faithfulness, on your faithfulness. I'm calling on the God of Mary, whose favor rests upon the Lord. I'm calling on the God of David, who's made a shepherd boy courageous. I may not face Goliath, but I've got my own giants. Oh God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I
standing on your faithfulness, on your faithfulness. Oh God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh rock, oh rock of ages, I'm standing on your we know that you are a miracle working God that you moved back then so many stories so much history throughout the Bible that we see your hand displayed in miracles and power and God we know that you are doing the same thing today you raised Lazarus from the grave you're raising lives today Jesus you are the same God Help us to believe that this morning, God. Some of us have a hard time seeing that you can move in that way even now. But I pray that you would pull back the blinders, pull back the, the doubt, and may we see that today, God, that you can move in power. Help us to see that, Jesus. God, we love you. We love worshiping you. We love singing to you. We give you all the honor and glory this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can take a seat. Well, once again, welcome. I'm Dan. I'm the worship pastor here and a community life director at Sunrise as well. Love to help people get um, involved and connected here at Sunrise. If you may be here for the first time this morning, or maybe the second or third time, um, we just want to welcome you. We love you guys. Thank you that you are spending your time with us this morning. Um, if you did not see that giant banner when you came in, um, somehow maybe you're distracted, but there's a new here sign out in the lobby by our Connect table, and we would love for you to come back to that table after the service, and we'd love to answer any questions you may have. Um, you can fill out a Connect card that we have, um, a little basic information, and then we'd love to give you a gift um, for doing that, and then also later this week, we might send you another gift in the mail. So, um, once again, we just love to have you guys with us this morning. I have a couple announcements. 
um, to bring to your attention a couple of slides and a couple of things we added last minute this morning. Um, but first of all, this afternoon, Sunrise students, there'll be a, pra- a parent meeting um, at 4.30 p.m. back in the youth room. So parents, I know that Corey has a lot to talk about, some changes that are going to happen this fall. So please make sure that you are there. If you have not been getting his emails or texts, also see him because all that's been going out the past couple weeks. So that's today at 4.30. Also, in a few weeks, the weekend after Labor Day, we are having our fall kickoff on September 10th during our service. So make sure you come out. All of our ministries will be kicking off. We have a great service planned. All, you'll find out all the different ways you can get involved this fall in the different ministries that are kicking off, connect, or some small groups, um, all the different things are going on. So watch out for more information coming on all of that. Um, we will be resending out our email this week. Earlier this summer, we sent out an email about our survey, our church survey. It just contains some important information for us as a staff and leaders of the church that we can kind of go through and make plans for the next year. If you have not filled out that survey, that'll be going out again this week, and I'm pretty sure we have some hard copies on the Connect table as well that you can grab and fill out and drop off. Lastly, um, Dennis made a, a video on Facebook this past week, just a a plethora of announcements and different things that he was talking about. One of those things was the Remember Niger Emergency Fund. There was a uh, comment underneath the video with a link to their website. Um, if you don't have Facebook or you don't know what that is, just go to rememberniger.org and, um, and you can go to their website and they'll have a uh, link there on their page. So if you want to go there directly and give, you can. Otherwise, you can drop off um, a check and mark it um, Remember Niger Emergency Fund, and we will make sure the funds are directed that way. Um, lastly, we also have this time in the service for giving. Um, if you call Sunrise Home and you love this place and want to keep these ministries going strong, we have boxes in the back, um, and also you can give online through our website or our app. We'd love to um, help you with that and worship with you. So, Dennis and Julie, come on up. They have another special thing to share with you guys, and I'll hand it off to them. Yeah. Uh, If you are a person who will be heading off to school here in the next couple of days to a couple of weeks, if you are a school-age person, would you please stand? Just stand right where you are. All right. If you are a person that actually works in a school setting, you could be a board member of a school. You could be a teacher. You could work in food service. You could be a college professor. Whatever. If you are in some way connected to service to an educational institution, would you please stand? Stay standing, kids. Stay standing. Stay standing, students. All right. So what Julie and I would like to do is we would like to offer a prayer over all of you uh, this morning uh, before we dismiss the kids and before we take a time um, to, to greet one another. So if you would bow your hearts and your heads as we pray over these ones. O God of new beginnings, as these children begin this new school year, we are reminded that they are yours and yours alone. God of fresh starts, as these friends begin a new school year, we pray that they see themselves as loved by you and extensions of your love to others. We ask you to fill their heart with the joy of new friends and their mind with the wonder of learning new things. We ask that you give them courage 
to have open hearts and to see your image in the faces, young and old, that surround them. Give them a heart to see the hurting and strength to show love in the hallways. Give them friends, but help them not to find their worth in others. Give them hands of healing as they reach out to those who suffer and struggle. Give them friends and help them find their worth in you. In their anxieties. May they find comfort in your presence. In their worries. May they find peace in your promises. In their challenges. May they find victory in your power. May these children. May these adults. Feel your love as they walk the halls. As they teach, lead, serve, and guide. May you keep them safe and bring them home safely. Thank you for the gift of the first day of school. For all of the days to come, may these children learn and grow. And may these adults show love, bring light, and share life. Amen. Amen. At this time, we would like to welcome the children to be dismissed. And you can stand up and take a couple of minutes to greet each other. Thank you for being here. Let's go ahead and uh, find our way back to our seats, please. So today we enter into the penultimate or next to the last message in our series in the book of Haggai. And we're talking today about this idea of abundance for scarcity. Um, and as we, we enter into the season, let's be reminded that what we're going to be talking about today is a continuation of the words that were spoken last week, that Haggai the prophet has come to the people um, and it's been on a certain day, the 24th day of the ninth month, and he has offered them a prophecy. And today we jump right in and we continue on this thought. So everything today is building on the thoughts of last week. And so the prophet Haggai looks to the people and he says, now give careful thought to this from this day on. Give careful thought to this. What are the things that he's talking about? Well, if we boil them down, uh, considering what we looked at last week, uh, give careful thought to the fact that holiness or consecration or cleanliness uh, is not acquired secondhand. It comes from direct contact and interaction with the one true God. Give careful thought to this, that holiness is not a state into which we drift um, that there is, is activity, that there is work that we participate in toward our spiritual formation, but defilement is a state into which we drift. Give careful thought to this, that holiness requires both heart and hand. It's not strictly about what you do, but it's about your motives. But if your motives are pure, then your motives come out of your hands. Give careful thought to this from this day forward. Consider how things were before one stone was laid upon another in the Lord's temple. When anyone came to the heap of twenty, uh, came to a heap of twenty measures, uh, there were only ten. Uh, when anyone went to went to a wine vat to draw fifty measures, there were only twenty. I struck all the work of your hands with blight and mildew and hail. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. Remember that we're talking to a people, or, or Haggai is talking to a people for which enough was never enough. We saw earlier on, I think it was in the second or the first prophecy, that they were a people that experienced scarcity because there was never enough to satiate their desire for more. There was never enough, and so scarcity prevailed in their life. 
But then God goes on and he, he makes through Haggai this, this point, yet you did not return to me. And this reminds us that judgment in the economy of the kingdom isn't something that's strictly punitive. Oftentimes when we think about judgment, we think about someone getting what they deserve or being punished for just reasons. But, but again, that's not how things work in the kingdom. God doesn't punish people because he's mad at them God punishes people, often by allowing them to run to the ends of their own choices for the purpose of return and redemption. They were experiencing scarcity as a beckoning, as a calling of God to return, and yet they did not. The writer goes on, from this day on, Second time he said this, from this 24th day in the ninth month, give careful thought, give careful thought again to the day when the foundations of the Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought and remember the day when you finally started to do the things that you were supposed to do, when you finally began to, to turn and to return. Give careful thought. Is there yet any seed left in the barn? Until now, the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit. The invitation here at the end of this last prophecy is God is again saying, now that you have returned, keep your eyes fixed upon me. Look unto me, the God of abundance, in the midst or the times of scarcity. It's quite a call. It's quite a call that, that God is saying, look to me for abundance in times of scarcity, even though the abundance hasn't come yet. It's an invitation to faith. And then, then, then this last proclamation, this, this last statement, for, from this day on, third time he said this, from this day on, I will bless you. A couple things I want to consider before we jump into just some thoughts of, of, of this passage and, and kind of, kind of what, I, what I see the Lord asking us or drawing us into uh, in this last half of this prophecy, but this, this idea from, from this day on, from today. That, that holiness, that invitation, that, that whatever it is that God is inviting the children of Israel to through Haggai, he's inviting them into today, now, right now. That there is a, a present activity that God is inviting them into. And, and I think, friends, one of the things that I was reminded of this week is that who I am and what I do moving forward is much of, of much greater importance than who I was in the past and what I have done and the heritage from which I come is that my past success or failure and your past success or failure is not God's primary concern. It's what are you doing today? How are you pressing in today? Right, remember we said last week that God doesn't have grandkids. I, 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 I wonder if 
If a second piece of this is, is, is true as well, is that God's not so concerned with the obedience or disobedience of your parents or grandparents or heritage. Like he's, he's not as concerned with the name that you carry as much as he is the name that you are, are making. One, one of the beautiful things in Proverbs, Proverbs talks about a name and how a name is, is a good name is to be more highly treasured than, than all of these these riches. And, and I've, I've walked in that space. I've walked in a path where I have been, been given a name that matters. When you go back to where I came from, like people know my name and it means something. Why? Because, not because of who I am, but because of who my great-grandfather was and my grandfather was and my father and my uncle are, right? There's this, there's an entrustedness that we have. And so often, friends, I think that we can live our lives either buried by the shame of our past failures or relying on some kind of, 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 of comfort in our past successes. But what God is saying to the people through the prophet is today, that from this day on, from this day on, from this, this day on, I will bless you. God is the blesser and we are the receivers. And I guess the question is, is that will you, will, will I, will, will we trust him in the scarcity to bring us to a place of blessing? Now, let's be honest, sometimes when we, when you and I, when we think of blessing, we, we think of abundance in, in earthly terms, right? We think of, uh, you know, enough money left over at the end of the month, we think of, of stuff, we think of accomplishments, we, we, whatever it might be. But, but I think that when we really look at, at blessing and we really understand what God is talking about here, he's much more concerned with this idea of, of peace, of shalom, of right relationship, of being in a place where we are not just provided for, but we are content with how God has provided for us. You see, the first time that this idea of blessing comes up is pre-fall. Did you realize this? The blessing of God predates sin, death, and the fall in the scriptural narrative? I think it's pretty interesting, right? Because he, he comes first and he, he comes to Adam and Eve and he says that I will bless you. That, that he's going to bless them in their efforts to fulfill God's command, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. All of the things that God is calling us to do, to bring about shalom, that, that the second time he uses the word bless, right, he blesses Adam and Eve, and then the second time he uses it is that he blesses the seventh day after everything is situated, and as it should be, God looks and he blesses the seventh day. Why? Because everything was at peace. Everything was at right relationship. The world was functioning the way it was supposed to function. The abundance for scarcity comes when we understand that today is a day that we can and ought to press into God's blessing. Well, what, does that, what does that mean? Practically, what, is, what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, God's blessing of abundance, friends, comes when we walk in obedience. And these are just observations I'm making here from, from this particular uh, passage of Scripture. But, but, but I want to unpack them because I know that if you're like me, you hear some of these things. You hear the preacher stand up in front of you and say, walk in obedience. And what's the first thing that you think of, right? You think of the checklist that you had as a kid growing up. Am I right? 
right? Obedience means, okay, I don't, you know, I don't drink, I don't cuss, I don't smoke, I don't chew, I don't go with the girls that do. <laughs> right? Right? We had this litany, it was this laundry list of things of behavior management. It's like, okay, I've got a white knuckle and I've got to be good. But I, but I don't think that this is exactly what we need to understand when it comes to obedience. Because the reality is, folks, I've tried the white knuckle thing for many decades of my life. And you know what I've come to realize? I can't white knuckle myself into behaving well enough that I look like, act like, smell like Jesus. What if obedience is more about this idea of blessing. And when we connect the two, right, we go back to the beginning and we look forward to the end. We go back to what if obedience looks like how our first parents and the world functioned when everything was right and God created the world and things were as they should be. What if obedience looks like the mission that we have to bring heaven to earth? So often, right, I think that we think about this idea, okay, if I can just white knuckle it up can be good enough, then one day I won't have to worry about being good, and I can go to heaven, and everything will be okay, and I can just give in to all my, right? I can swim in rivers of chocolate, eat Reese cups for every meal, not gain weight, right? We have this hedonistic view of heaven, but what if obedience is in this present moment? having one hand in the garden and one hand in the celestial city and bringing those things to bear in reality. In our world, as we take one step at a time, obedience means manifesting the kingdom, the kingdom of God, the way things ought to be in this world, a place where the lion lays down with the lamb. It's that being being a person that brings chaos in, or brings... uh, order into the chaos. That's why we prayed for all the teachers and other people that work in the school today, right? A place where night gives way to eternal day. A place where we can know and be known and be truly valued. You see, the these things, these observations that, that we're making here, they're not just about behaving correctly, right? Obedience is about how am I manifesting the kingdom in this space? How am I being a person that is contending for the flourishing of life? How am I being a person that is representing God in this space? God's blessing of abundance, my friends, comes when we walk in obedience, when we see loneliness as a product of the fall, and what we do is we go, we sit down with the kid who is lonely and who is ostracized. We sit at his lunch table during lunch. Why? Because loneliness is a product of the fall, and community and relationship is a manifestation of the kingdom. God's blessing of abundance, it, it comes when we, when we walk in faith. I think I may have mentioned this, but one of the things that's really been circling around in my brain the last couple of weeks is, is this, this statement that, that so often we, we have this idea that doubt is the chief enemy of faith, but I don't think that that's true. I think that doubts are simply questions, and questions are agreements. They're primarily a doubt is a question that is agreeing with God that we're not Him. I would contend, my friends, that the chief enemy of faith is not doubt, it's certainty, because when we are certain about things, we stop asking questions. And when we stop asking questions, we stop learning and we stop growing. 
The call of Jesus onto our life isn't ironclad, bomb-proof certainty that we never experience doubts or we never have questions. No, what does Jesus say to the man who comes to him, right? The story we told last week, I believe, help my unbelief. The encouragement of Jesus isn't to eradicate doubt, it's to don't stop believing. where the great theologian Brenda Carlyle must have gotten. You see, faith, my friends, is a steadfast hope that we can't yet prove. Something that we, we believe and we cling to, even though scientific method and an empirical experience might fall short. You see, confidence is good and confidence is necessary as long as that confidence rests upon the man called Jesus. As long as that confidence, that faith manifests itself in ways that see us doing things he did and saying things he said. You see, the invitation here, God, God's blessing of abundance comes as we walk in faith. My friends, one of the greatest faith journeys that you'll ever take is having the courage to follow Jesus into spaces and places that are hostile out in the empire and see him bring his kingdom realities to fruition. You see, abundance comes, my friends, when we walk in faith. And I'm telling you, it takes a whole lot of faith to be that person who walks in obedience, who looks at the reality of, the first, of our first parents and the calling of all humanity and looks ahead to the realities of heaven that will be manifested on earth in the new heaven and the new earth and the celestial city and chooses to say, I'm going to be light even though the world around me is dark. Here's the thing. Here's the great news. The darker the night, the bigger the difference, the smaller the light can make. You see, God's blessing of abundance comes through obedience, and it comes when we walk in faith, but it also comes uh, when we walk in contentment. Walking in contentment is a, is a, is a tall order because what it does is it asks us or it, it encourages us to get beyond the comparison game. Anybody else play the comparison game? It's that walking in contentment draws us and invites us and encourages us to finally feel comfortable in our own skin. But to do this, we have to unlearn some important things, some essential things that we have learned. We have to unlearn the lies that others have spoken over us, don't we? We have to embrace the truth, the truth of our broken and beautifulness, all at the same time. Hear, hear me, friends. Contentment is not the absence of ambition. Um, Amy and I have often joked that, uh, yeah, if you could bottle my ambition and sell it, that would probably be a good thing. But the reality is, is there's a shadow side of those kinds of things. When you're an ambitious person, a lot of times enough is never enough. Anybody else out there? You see, it's not about a lack of ambition. 
Nor is it a satisfaction with a less than ideal or a resignation to the status quo. Contentment doesn't throw its hands up and just say, this is the way the world is. Contentment is, is a place where we find the courage to see ourselves as we are. Contentment is finding joy and purpose where God has placed us, right? We don't look at the foundation of what the next generation is building and cry and wail because it does not look like what we constructed. But contentment finds itself fully and finally realized when we know that God has placed us in a certain place. And for some of us, that is an uncomfortable place. I'll be honest with you. I would rather not have to be in the place that Daniel and his friends found themselves in. Where they were experiencing judgment for sins that their parents and grandparents committed. That's not fair. And all the parents in God's house said, no, life's not fair. There it is. Amen. That's right. No. Yeah, right. That's not fair. Life's not fair. Contentment is neither resignation nor is it a lack of ambition. The next thing is that, so God's abundance, the next thing, and these, these are really, really connected, is that God's blessing of abundance comes when we walk in awareness. Abundance comes when we, we see and we acknowledge our own limitations, our failings, our, our sin. Folks, the only way that we can be honest about ourselves is to take a good, hard look at who we are. And for some of us, that is a super scary proposition, to be aware of who we are. That's why the prophets weren't embraced a whole lot, because, right, who likes to be told about your sin, right? You have these prophets that come in from the wilderness. They, they wander down, many of them, hair sort of askew, barking orders from the Almighty, You see, but, but abundance only comes when we acknowledge our own limitations. But on the flip side of that, abundance only comes when we stop minimizing our gifts and our skills. Those two things have to go together. Folks, we have to realize, right, contentment, that we are both broken and beautiful. But, but I know so many of us were, 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 were brought up in sort of circles where we were taught this kind of faux humility, Right? We were taught to minimize the things that we were, were gifted at. And i got to be honest with you, folks. Some of the things that I'm gifted at, like I would rather not be gifted at. I would rather not be gifted at doing funerals. Like that's not something, like if somebody would set me down and say, Dennis, what are some of the things that you're best at? I'd be like, well, one of the things I'm best at is doing funerals. I would rather not have that gift. Why couldn't I get the good with cars gift? <laughs> right? No, but we, we press into this awareness, right? And when we're unaware, when we're unaware of who we are and how God has made us friends, what we often do is we superimpose the expectations of others. You see, this is what Haggai was pressing into. You had all these people that, that they, were, they were functioning in a way that they were, 
They were doing what was important. They were doing what was important back in Babel. They were doing what was important to the people that were around them. But they were unaware of who they were and who God had called them to be. You see, their primary concern wasn't to build their fancy houses. Their primary concern ought to have been to have been building the temple of God. My friends, if I can confess, I struggled for way too long in ministry, doubting my effectiveness and fit, and trying to fit into someone else's ideal for what it meant to be a pastor. Can I sort of share this with you? Is The reality is, is that many of us um, have pastors that we've had in, in the past, and I know I had somebody call me at several, oh, it's been several years ago now, and they, they were... They were talking to me about something. They said, Dennis, you were the best pastor that we ever had. And my initial response was, I'm really, really sorry. <laughs> right? Folks, because again, there are certain things, right, that we're really, really good at. And oftentimes what we do is we look and say, man, I wish I had that person's people skills. Or I wish I had that person's uh, ability in the pulpit. Or I wish I had that person's mind. Or I wish I had that person's capacity to be around people. But, but the truth of the matter is, my friends, is that God doesn't need, to be, doesn't need me to be Greg up on the corner, nor does he need me to be Joel at the top of the hill. He needs me to be Dennis. He doesn't need me to pastor the big church on the corner or the big church at the top of the hill. He needs me to be who he has made me to be, and he needs you to be who he has made you to be. And so can I, can I invite you to do something? Stop apologizing for who God has made you to be. If you're an introvert, stop trying to be an extrovert. If you're someone that needs time in order to, uh, time, time alone in order to recharge and to refill, then stop packing your schedule with things that are sucking the life out of you. God has not called all of us to do or to be the same person. And his blessing of abundance comes when we become aware of who God has created us to be. And we press into that reality. So stop trying to be somebody that you're not. Because God doesn't need you to be that person. He needs you to be you. And finally, God's blessing of abundance comes when we walk in worship. The word for for Bless or blessed in, in the Hebrew is the word barach. And, and it can be trans, translated in several different ways. But, but, but primarily the root meaning of this idea of being blessed is inextricably connected with worship. It's this idea of, of, of kneeling or, or praising. It's an act associated with bringing honor and glory to God. My friends, when you and I are living a blessed life, we are bringing honor to God because worship isn't something that we do here on Sunday morning, just something we do here on Sunday morning as we sing. It's what we do every day of our lives. When we bring life, when we speak life, when we do the things that God has called us to do in our job, when we love people well, when we have the courage to sit with that lonely kid, when we're the person who stands in harm's way for another, no matter what it is, when we're a smiling face to somebody that's in our sphere of influence, we in that moment kneel before the Almighty, being who he has made us to be. We bring praise and we bring honor to him 
in the everyday moments of life. So as we go from this place, we'll invite the worship team to come and and to get our last song. But as we go from this place, remember to worship God as we speak life over people. As we call out the image of God in others and ourselves. Be the kind of people that is is living, a person that is living a blessed life as, as we resist the vices of greed and put on the virtues of generosity. Live a blessed life in the midst of your doubts and uncertainties. It's not about being certain. It's about in your doubts, don't stop believing. And continue to bring those realities of heaven to earth. Be light. Be the person that is representing the rule and reign of Christ in in the spheres that you occupy in that way. God not only will bring abundance to you, but he will bring abundance through you. So that in the scarcity that we all at times encounter and even experience, God will bring his kingdom into the places that you occupy.
Masterpiece of God that He is, has created you to be, and is working on you to become. Go with His peace, go in the knowledge of His love for you, and go extending His grace and mercy to those that you encounter. Go in peace.